What's up, guys? So we are going to continue working our way through the NFC East today, and today's team will be the Dallas Cowboys. So how about them Cowboys? <laughs> Anyways, we got uh, start off with the quarterback position. Of course, that's going to be Dak Prescott, contrary to what a lot of the haters, the Dak haters say. Dak will be the guy. Um, he's being drafted as QB4 right now, so that puts him in the mid to late fourth to early fifth round. Um, so if you've been listening to me at all, you know that's too early for my quarterbacks. But um, I think Dak has earned that type of draft uh, ADP, I guess. But but I do think that there will be games, um, there will be weeks where his floor is low because they are a run first team. So even though he went, he put up really good numbers last year, um, there will be weeks where his floor is low because they're they're going to run the ball a lot. You know, if they're if they're winning, and I think their defense will be improved this year, so there'll be less of that kind of run and gun style that they seemed to get into last year a lot. Um, but let me throw some numbers at you. So Dak started games uh, weeks one through five. In the first five games, he was QB five in fantasy points per game, averaging over 24 per game. In weeks six through 10, which is, I believe, another five games. I don't think they had their bye week in that. Anyways, in week six through 10, he was QB six uh, with 22 points per game. So that's solid, right? First, basically first 10 weeks, he's a top five or six quarterback. Uh, weeks 11 through 16, he finished or at that stretch is QB 14. So if you've listened to any of my, my quarterback podcasts or overall, or just takes in general fantasy quarterbacks, you know that this right here is the reason why I don't believe in drafting a guy, um, too early. And in this year's group of, in this year's draft, based on where everybody's going right now, current ADP wise, you just can't, convince me to spend my fifth round pick on Dak Prescott as opposed to my 10th round pick on Matt Stafford or my 12th or 11th round pick on Daniel Jones or, you know, so that's just where I'm at with it. I, I don't have a problem with Dak. I think he's going to have another big year. I think he'll have over 4,500 yards passing. I think he'll be a top 10 quarterback for sure. It's just that when you, here's the other thing too about drafting quarterback late. When you draft one late, and he starts to perform the way Dak did in terms of just fantasy production from weeks 11 through 16, where he was QB 14. When that starts to happen, you are much more likely to go ahead and bench him and stream somebody. And somebody like, for example, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was a top quarterback down the stretch last year in terms of fantasy football scoring. So like if I draft a guy in a 10th or 11th round and he's, and he's kind of, disappointing or underwhelming me down the stretch, I might just, you know, look on, on my waivers and grab somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick or whoever that might be this year and just start him over there. And that might be ultimately best for my team, um, at least when it comes to that specific week. So those are things that you're just more likely to do when you don't have a lot invested into a guy. Um, so just something else to think about with the fantasy quarterbacks. I feel like I've been bashing quarterbacks in fantasy, but it's just the truth. And this year in particular, man, there are a bunch of dudes that you can get in round 10 or later, or even if you want to just make sure you get one, you start to get a little anxious and grab Stafford in round nine. I'm totally fine with that. 
as long as Brandon Cooks is off the board. That's a wide receiver too. Anyways, um, getting distracted here. Okay, running backs. We're going to start with, of course, Ezekiel Elliott. The dude is a monster. He's being drafted as RB3. He's been uh, extremely productive and consistently productive. So Zeke deserves all the credit in the world for that. I am totally fine with drafting Zeke in the top three or four picks uh, in any format, really. I think that he's going to see a good amount of work. I think that his his overall, his work total could go down um, in the McCarthy offense, but I do think, and I know it's technically still the Kellen Moore offense or whatever, but this is a, this is going to, we're going to feel the effects of Mike McCarthy taking over as head coach and offensive guy. So we will feel those effects. It's just maybe a little bit of a hybrid or something like that. So just in, in the way that I mean that we'll feel those effects when it comes to Zeke, well, I think that his, even if this happens where his touches go down just a little bit, which I think is very possible, I'm not going to say it's likely because we, we have to go with what we've seen over anything else. Um, but what we've seen with Zeke is, I mean, uh, I think his touches, will they could go down, but I think if they do go down, his efficiency will go way up. So I think that his runs of 10 plus yards per carry will go up. I think his overall touchdown per carry uh, ratio will be a little bit higher, you know, and things like that. So um, his floor is super safe, but his ceiling doesn't quite compare to Christian McCaffrey and Saquon. So I think it's appropriate that he's being taken as RB three at the earliest. Um, But his full, uh, also tell me what you guys think. I think his ceiling could ultimately be a little bit lower than even the likes of Dalvin Cook and or Nick Chubb and or Joe Mixon. I think it's possible that his ceiling is just a little bit lower because I think Tony Pollard has an opportunity to be a standalone flex value this year. And that's who we're going to get into now. Nice. Like that segue, I'm getting good at podcasting. Now I'm getting a little more comfortable. Um, Tony Pollard is a guy being drafted at running back 48 in the rounds 12 or 13. So what do I like about Pollard? He's a perfect fit for the McCarthy-esque offense. Um, he has similarities to Aaron Jones in um, just play style. And I think when, when he was coming out of college, I called him a, a poor man's Alvin Kamara. And it seemed like that that comp in general was very often used um, like later on in the, in the preseason times after when he was a rookie, but cause he did have a great preseason, <clears throat> but so yeah, I think he's a great fit. I think he could be, he could be Aaron Jones esque. Um, something people don't realize is this guy had about five, almost 500 rushing yards as a rookie and he averaged over 5.3 yards a carry. <clears throat> so that's like, that's real production, especially for a rookie playing behind Ezekiel Elliott. You know, like if we look back at Christian McCaffrey's rookie year numbers, I think he had like 600 yards rushing. So just something to think about. Like that's, that's like serious production for Tony Pollard. Um, fourth round pick, a rookie fourth round pick and playing behind a healthy Zeke all year. So another thing I liked about Pollard's production was he broke tackles at a very high rate, one every 8.6 attempts, which is up there with with the best in the league. Um, he had a three point, he averaged 3.6 yards after contact, which is phenomenal for if he would have had, if he would have qualified to be in the hundred or more carries, that would he would have led the NFL in in that 
in that area. So Damian Williams led the NFL in yards after contact per attempt of guys that had 100-plus carries. And Damian averaged 3.2 yards after contact. Tony Pollard averaged 3.6 on only 86 carries. But like I said, that's why the guy had almost 500 rushing yards as a rookie. So um, I think Pollard is a... Obviously, his floor is a guy that is unrosterable, right? Because like Zeke's playing ninety percent of the snaps or whatever, and and Pollard is just not really getting the work that you need to justify a roster spot. So that's his floor. But I think his his ceiling is standalone flex value. If assuming Zeke remains healthy, I think Pollard still has potentially standalone flex value. But I think that if anything happens to Zeke. Pollard is a low-end RB1. I really believe that. I think that this guy can handle the load at least, especially if it's just for like five or six games or something like that. I think it's feed Tony Pollard, like give him 20, 20 plus touches a game, give him you know 15 carries or so, and then throw him the ball because this guy can catch. He played a little bit of that Antonio Gibson role um, at the same school, Memphis, where he, he did line up as a wide receiver uh, very often and he showed the ability to to catch the ball with his hands and things like that and run a decent route so Tony Pollard is very interesting in that way so if anything happens to Zeke we're looking at a potential league winner so that's where you get to the point where it's you're asking yourself is it worth spending a 12th round pick on him well I believe it is but I think that when you do that you have to construct your roster because in a way where you're not expecting production, of course, he's only a 12th round pick, so it's not like you're going to be expecting a bunch from him or you would have drafted him earlier. But if you take him in the 12th round, you have to you have to have the emotional intelligence to and the discipline to leave him on your roster. OK, don't don't like Zeke gets 25 carries in the first two games, and then you cut him. Now, why would you do that? Like, what are you doing? You're not playing to win. You're not you're not building a team and, and you're not you don't have a connected philosophy that you follow through on if you do that. So I think that if you do draft Pollard in 12th or 13th round, I think that's totally fine. I think it's actually a great pick, but you be prepared to hold them. You know what I mean? Hold them for for oh, really. I don't see why you would even dump them like unless you really need the roster spot. I think you should hold them. And because like I'm saying, if anything happens to Zeke, if you're in the uh auction style like people are going to be empty in their bankroll on Tony Pollard and if you already spend all your money and you don't have like that's the kind of guy where you 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 keep him because you don't have to pay for him later you know what I mean how many times have we just myself included just just cut a guy like this after week three because he had seven carries you know combined on the season and then week 11 comes around and he's the hottest name on the waiver wire and we had him, but we just we cut him for a guy that we basically that we probably don't even have on our roster in week 11. You know, so it's um, I, I would if you draft him, hold on to him man. construct your roster to where you can afford it. And you have the depth so that you don't have to get rid of him unless you get hit very hard with injuries or something like that. So um, also Pollard. Check this out. Finished the season. Last three games, he had 28 runs for 191 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 6.8 yards a carry, and one of those games was against the Rams where he went off for over 100 yards on 12 carries. So Pollard has legitimate upside, and if you draft him, keep him, 
by any means necessary unless you absolutely have to dump but I keep him. All right, moving on to the wide receiver position for these Cowboys. Amari Cooper, of course, is their quote-unquote number one, their $20 million a year guy. <clears throat> right now, Amari is being drafted as wide receiver nine in the third round. Pretty much he's, yeah, solid third round is where he's going right now, ADP. So first nine games of 2019, he was the wide receiver four and half PPR in fantasy points per game. He was targeted 71 times, so that's 7.9 times per game. He caught 53 of them, so about six a game, for 848 yards. He was averaging 94 yards a game at a 16 yards per catch average and seven touchdowns and almost scoring a touchdown per game. That is catching over 70, almost 75% of his targets. Like, he was on fire. Here's the issue. Over the final, let's see... Over the rest of the season, I think his final seven games, yeah, final seven games, he caught 26 out of 48 targets for 341 yards and one touchdown. So he was still seeing right around seven targets per game, but he was he was only catching 3.7, so almost four catches per game for only 48 yards, 48.7 yards. It's a 13 yards per catch average, and he was only catching 54% of his targets. So his production significantly declined over the back half of the season. And um, the that was kind of the problem with Amari going into last year and why he was one of the guys that I quote unquote was just willing to miss on because that's what you, that's what you risk with Amari Cooper is just, there will be times where he is basically non-existent. You know what I mean? Uh, like from okay, let me just throw this stat at you because it's pretty outrageous. From weeks eleven through sixteen, among wide receivers with at least that played at least four games, Amari Cooper was wide receiver fifty-four in points per game. Wide receiver fifty-four. Yeah. So what, what's that like a wide receiver five or something? Wide receiver four, and that's over. Like you might say, well, you know, he was hurt or whatever, whatever, whatever. But that's literally over a third of the season. You know what I mean? And, th and that's down the stretch where you need him most. So I'm sorry, but if you're on the field, man, like if you're on my fantasy team and, and you're healthy and you're playing, I need you to look, I need you to produce, period. Because, for example, when Julio Jones, how many times have we seen Julio Jones hop, hobble off the field and then be questionable up until kickoff and then play and then produce? I'm not saying this to be unreasonable i'm just saying with amari cooper third round on an offense with a bunch of talent on it you he's got to produce man if he's playing he's got to produce so that's my take on him i think that i'm quote unquote willing to miss on him he's a boomer a boom or bust guy there will definitely be weeks where he's the reason you win but there will definitely also be weeks where he is a big reason why you lost so my personal preference with Amari Cooper is to stay away. Um, <clears throat> Michael Gallup is the wide receiver two for Dallas. He's being drafted right now as ADP wide receiver 30 in the seventh to eighth round. He, okay, so <clears throat> Gallup had four games last year where he had fewer than four catches. Okay, so that shows you he was pretty consistent. He only played 14 games, by the way. So he had five games 
So about over a third of his games with 10 or more targets. So that's good. He had six of his 14 games. So almost half his games, he had 98 or more receiving yards. Four of them, he had 100 yards or more. Um, the, the only, I guess, issue with Gallup was he sort of declined down the stretch. In some, uh, he just had two bad games, to, really. But he... Only was in the over the first eight games, he was he was targeted almost nine times a game, catching five of them for 85 yards, and he scored one, uh, three touchdowns in eight games. Over the final six games, he was targeted about one less time per game, almost one and a half. He still caught four balls for 71 yards, so his yards per catch. This is this is important because it's what I think we will we can expect from him this year. So let's say his volume went down from uh, over the final six games last year. I think that's a potentially something that will happen this year also. <clears throat> but even though his volume of work went down, his yards per catch went up to almost a shade under eighteen yards per catch. That's insane. Um, thinking about it, when you think about it like this, Amari Cooper over the final half, back half of the season, his yards per catch went down to about 13 yards per catch. Michael Gallup's went up to about 18 yards per catch and he had a touchdown every other game. So I think with Gallup, I think he starts out strong in terms of more volume and big plays. But I think that down the stretch, he will, as C.D. Lamb kind of rises, I think that Gallup will start to decline a little bit from a volume standpoint, but I think that he will, his efficiency at that point in time will go up because he's going to be feasting on other teams' second or third corner, you know, and that <laughs> the guy is too good, too good to not produce in that role. So I absolutely love him. <clears throat> at his ADP of seventh, eighth round. I think that's a steal. I think he severely outperforms wide receiver 30, which is where he's being drafted right now. And I mean, he's a big reason. He's part of the, of the very long list of guys that are the reason why I'm waiting to draft a receiver this year, at least waiting. I might take running back, running back, running back. And then I'll get into, there's a lot of receivers like Michael Gallup and, a lot of good guys, Tyler Boyd, that you can get later. Odell Beckham is available in the fourth round. So, um, yeah. So, another guy on that list of reasons why you should wait to draft a receiver this year is CeeDee Lamb. And, yes, I think all three Cowboy receivers will be fantasy relevant this year, at least down the stretch specifically. So, <clears throat> CD is being drafted as wide receiver 40 right now. Um, which is awfully high considering Michael Gallup's being drafted as wide receiver 30. It's like Gallup had a huge year. He had over 1,100 yards last year and six touchdowns. But anyways, CeeDee Lamb, he's being drafted as wide receiver 40 in the 10th to 11th round or so. Um, first thing I can tell you about CD is he was my wide receiver one coming out of this draft class. So if that matters to you, he was my top guy. Um he uh, okay. So the the off season being a weird one with COVID nineteen and all that is sort of the one of the reasons why I think he'll start slow. I think at least from a volume standpoint, I think CD will start a little bit slow, 
And then I think that he'll pick it up down the stretch as he kind of picks up the offense. Um, I mean, this guy is super talented. He had 125 catches over his last two years of college. Um, That's 25 receiving touchdowns over his final two years. He averaged over 21 yards per catch in 2019. So this guy is going to catch touchdowns and he's going to get open down the football field. That's just, it's just going to happen. It's just the only thing is, when is that going to happen? Is it going to happen right away with a two really good receivers in front of him and a weird limited off season in terms of just what he can actually do with, with teammates and how he can get <clears throat> uh, chemistry built up with Dak Prescott, so on, so forth. So I think that anytime after round 10, is is just fine value good value i think he finishes strong with a little bit more volume and i think that he's a guy that you should keep an eye on because if you don't get him in the draft and you are interested in his services i think that he's a guy that after the first two or three or four weeks i think you should look at kind of may establish conversation or establish communication with whoever owns CD lamb in your fantasy league and see what they're, what they're feeling on them. Like, see if they're, are they going to dump them? Are they, you know, do they need a roster spot? Is he a guy you can potentially buy low? So I think that's a real conversation to be had. So um, now going to tight ends. So to, to finish on CD lamb, Take him anytime in the 10th round or later. I'm totally fine with him. I think it's a fine value. And I think he's a guy that, but sort of like Tony Pollard, you need to be patient with CD. You can't expect a rookie in a shortened offseason to come out and light the league on fire in week one. You know, he might do it, maybe, but you shouldn't expect that. That's a ceiling. We need to expect what we what we perceive as his floor, which is a guy that I don't think you're going to be able to start with confidence right away, but he's a guy around weeks seven, eight, nine, ten, I think you'll be firing him up as an every week flex or better. So down to tight end. So as you can see, I just had to mention a lot of running back wide receiver talent on this Cowboys team. So um, considering tight end is Blake Jarwin, who's never really given us a ton of production. I think that you understand why I'm not going to tell you to draft Blake Jarwin in the sixth round or something like that. Um, But Jarwin's current ADP is tight end 20. He's going in like the 15th round or something. So here are some things that I do like about Jarwin. $4 million signing bonus that he just received last March, just a few months ago. That tells That's a pretty significant signing bonus. I know Jerry Jones has a bunch of money, so it's not really that significant to him. But for him to put $4 million bucks on in Blake Jarwin's bank account just like that tells me that him and Mike McCarthy had a conversation and that they plan on using Jarwin. So, you know, that said in 2019, he only had four games with over three targets. So he's not a guy that's been a, you know, that's given you a ton of production or reason to believe that he can consistently produce, but with $4 million signing bonus and his athletic profile, I think he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on and a guy that, um, could potentially develop into at least a startable tight end or just basically like a mid-range tight end to somebody that you can pick up um, when your tight end has a bye week or something like that. So he'll be an upside touchdown guy, but low floor. So um, 
I'm going to touch on the defense real quick because I do want to just I've been given a little bit of just a little brief tidbit on defenses as well. I think the Cowboys defense will be a much better unit than it was in 2019. I think that if Aldon Smith, Alden Smith, if he is able to stay healthy and able to get into football shape relatively quickly and figure out the defense, I think that he could make that he could be kind of the missing piece at least to that front seven and make them really a unit that gets after the passer and actually sacks the quarterback because that's a lot a lot of times these analytics guys will tell you about like sacks don't matter they're not indicative of you know future performance or whatever and i understand that pressures can be more of a indicator of to future performance but one thing we know about Alden Smith is that he can finish. He has the explosiveness and the and the and the um burst to finish plays and actually sack the quarterback. Because a lot of times with these pressure guys, there are guys that that get consistent pressure on quarterbacks, but they don't have that last bit of explosiveness to to finish and close on the quarterback and actually finish the play. So that does matter. And I think Alden Smith most definitely has that. And if he can actually you know, find that back for who tap into who he once was, it'll be dangerous. I think overall the Cowboys defense will score. I mean, will um sack the quarterback a lot more. I think we'll see a lot more interceptions, at least at least a little bit more. I know they lost Byron Jones, but he was as as very I guess great of a corner as he was, he wasn't a guy that intercepted passes. So um, Trayvon Diggs has ball skills, very good ball skills. So that could be an upgrade. They got my one of my favorite corners in the whole draft, Reggie Robinson from Tulsa, six foot plus, two hundred pound guy with long arms and, and very athletic and explosive with ball skills. So that's interesting. I'm I'm interested in this Cowboy defense. I think they'll be better than they were last year, and I think they'll be a startable unit. So as always, I'm not going to recommend that you draft a defense, but if that's your thing, I think they're they're a defense you could get in the, the last round pretty comfortably, and I think they're a team that will be or a defense that will be startable. So, uh, so yeah, guys. So that's my thoughts on on the Cowboys. I'd say the best value pick is probably Michael Gallup, and um, I'm staying away from Cooper. I like Ceedee Lamb in the tenth. Blake Jarwin, I wouldn't draft him, but I definitely keep an eye on him. And the defense, I think, will be a startable unit. So. Um, and also Dak, I'm not a quarterback guy in the fifth round, but, um, I don't, I don't suggest you take Dak just because they're such better. I mean, at least options that are maybe just slightly behind Dak in terms of overall season production, but that you can get in rounds 10 or later. So I'd wait on that. Um, so yeah, guys, that's it. I'll be, I think I'm going to try and get out another episode today, but it's, I'm pushing it on time here, but if not, there will be two more tomorrow. All right, guys. Thanks for listening.